Hi, I'm Julie Mackin, and this is the 5-Minute Advocate. The first time I heard the term sacrifice zone used was when I was part of a large group of people blockading the Laird Forest, and we were there to try and stop a coal mining company called Whitehaven from bulldozing the place into the ground. It was a term used by someone within that company, and they used it to describe the forest, which had within it numerous sacred sacred places of the Gomorrah people, and was the last remaining remnant of white box forest on the east coast. It had a whole lot of endangered microbats. The forest itself and obviously the ground under it was critical to maintaining the groundwater system of the surrounding farms. Anyway, the company referred to the forest as a sacrifice zone, which meant that they were willing to sacrifice the forest, the sacred places and the security of water to the surrounding district in the interest of being able to dig up the coal and create a massive void which would destroy not just the current uh, landscape but the future landscape as well. I've also heard the term used to describe whole communities of people that are, again, sacrificed in the interests of the state. Remember when Tony Abbott was Prime Minister he decided to shut down remote communities. Uh, They would have become sacrifice zones so the state would not have to foot the bill for fixing housing and delivering clean water and basic amenities to other Australians. So communities, people, environments, whole landscapes can become sacrifice zones if the price is right and the organisation imposing the sacrifice on others is powerful enough. Anyway, I was thinking about this term while I watched Jim Chalmers hand down his first budget. And look, don't get me wrong, I think there is really much to applaud in the budget, like the massive commitment to housing, which is really historic, uh, better pricings on childcare, free TAFE positions. There are some really good things, and I recognise he's having to manage a very tricky economic moment. But I'm also aware that the financial strategy is about picking who will be the sacrifice zone to secure the economy. Who are we willing to sacrifice? With inflation on the rise, it is the poor, those on welfare, those struggling on low wages who really are being sacrificed for everyone else. And look, perhaps it was always thus, but it doesn't need to be. And it certainly doesn't need to be so cut and dried. For instance, imagine if Labor said, yep, energy costs are rising, as is the global temperature, so we're going to increase the tax on the super profits being made by gas and coal companies, and we're going to use that money to put solar power on every roof and battery storage in every garage. And we're going to start with renters and low-income earners first, and we're going to work our way up, and that is going to be at no cost. Crazy, right? Big employment big nation-building infrastructure that creates a distributed energy network that increases national energy security and puts super profits to good use. Yep, that would impose a small sacrifice on the gas and coal companies. The CEOs may not make the millions they've been making. Shareholders may have to suck it up. They may have to make a sacrifice. But it's deciding not to sacrifice the vulnerable in the interests of those who can afford it. The truth is, in the current economy, there will be sacrifices and sacrifice zones. That's the reality. But politicians decide who will be in those zones and who will be sacrificed. And it's not always the vulnerable and poor that need to be so. Good government, brave government, is sometimes about making the most powerful people and companies take on that price. 
Polling company Crosby, Crosby Texter has been running focus groups to get a sense of the broader community's concern. And of course, this comes with all the caveats around polling and just who gets invited to join focus groups. But they found that participants were generally sceptical that the economic conditions they've been previously enjoying, like low inflation, stable interest rates, will return in the near to medium term, with the general turbulence and disruption of the past few years making people feel that nothing ever goes to plan and the next crisis, whatever that might be, can change all the assumptions overnight. So learning to be cynical and flexible. Specific concerns, both present and future, were centred on inflation, infrastructure and interest rates. And according to Crosby Texter, they are looking for the government to take action to address the challenges that affect their lives the most, uh, such as housing affordability, cost of living, electricity and better infrastructure. As one of the participants said, if you have to force sell your home, where are you going to live? I think there's a lot of pain to come in the next 12 months. Let's just hope those making the sacrifices this time are the ones most resourced to do so, because that is what good government is all about.